0: If you need uh, to be caught up on some past handouts, just drop me an email, let me know which one you need, and I'll send them over to you. And then once we're done with this whole study, uh, I may bring in a little checklist and you tell me which ones you need, and I can fill in the gaps and we can make sure everybody's got what they need. I'll also give you page one when we're done. I don't know if you all have noticed, nobody has page one yet. It's simply the table of contents, which changes as I continue to add. So I will give you page one once we're done. (laughs) Did you notice you didn't have page one? (laughs) Wonderful. Wonderful. Okay. Let's move to statement three and statement four tonight. If we get there, I want to remind you that the context of this discussion is the PCA human sexuality report. And the fact that this statement on original sin is the third statement talks about how foundational it is that we understand that sin affects our sexuality. I mean, sin affects everything about us. You, you've heard the, the phrase total depravity. You've also heard it said that it doesn't mean that you are as bad as you can be But what does total depravity mean? Completely. Yeah. That means sin's reach is into every corner. There's not a part of you that's untouched by sin. It is God's grace that we are not as wicked as we could be. But it is um, original sin touches every bit of our lives, including sexuality. So with that said... Uh, I would like for us to read the affirmations, and then we will move into the denials shortly uh, here on original sin. So uh, let's just begin by reading through it, and then we will uh, backtrack and go through some details of this statement. We affirm that from the sin of our first parents, that is Adam and Eve, we have received an inherited guilt and an inherited depravity. From this original corruption, which is itself sinful, and for which we are culpable, proceed all actual transgressions. All the outworkings of our corrupted nature, a corruption which remains in part even after regeneration, are truly and properly called sin. Every sin, original and actual, deserves death and renders us liable to the wrath of God. We must repent of our sin in general and our particular sins particularly. That is, we ought to grieve for our sins, our sin, hate our sin, turn from our sin unto God, and endeavor to walk with God in obedience to his commandments. Let me go ahead and read the the denials. Nevertheless, God does not wish for believers to live in perpetual misery for their sins, each of which are pardoned and mortified in Christ. By the spirit of Christ, we are able to make spiritual progress and to do good works, not perfectly, but truly. Even our imperfect works are made acceptable through Christ, and God is pleased to accept and reward them as pleasing in his sight. Okay. You've heard the stories of Adam and Eve. We all hear those stories. And we're always told... You know, they're the reason that sin has come into the world. And each of us, when we were kids said, oh, that's not fair. I wouldn't have done it. And as we grow, we're like, oh, I not only would have done that, but everything else that is prohibited. Because we see the sin in our hearts. And uh, we receive that um, that corruption from Adam and Eve. This is all over scripture. This is called original sin. And... Um, the, I think it's uh, fascinating how the this Westminster Standards describe it. They say that this is passed down by natural generation. So um, there are various interpretations as to what that means. Is it literally the physica- physical genetics that carries the sin from generation to generation? I don't think so. This is just simply the natural generation of mother and father, uh, two sinners, um, giving, giving life to sinners. And, and that's the reality of our, um, our natural generation. Uh, and Jesus, that, this is why the virgin birth is so important. Uh, the virgin birth, virgin birth is important because uh, Jesus' uh, conception was not natural generation. Right? The Holy Spirit um, you know, conceiving um, Jesus of Nazareth uh, in the womb of a virgin. Like that's not natural generation. And so Jesus is not subject to this original sin, which is crucial for our, um, our salvation. So, uh, now it's really interesting. That's, that's kind of a summary there of that first sentence. The second to the next two sentences kind of get into this distinction between sin and sins. Have y'all thought about this, this distinction before sin versus sins, So if if you were to take a stab at it or those of you who have thought about this before d- describe to me what's the difference between sin and sins This is not just singular and plural This is a conceptual a real difference between sin as a disease and sins as transgressions actual transgressions How would you how would you describe that
1: Um, I mean, you sort of pointed out that sin is something that we all have regardless of how, quote-unquote, good we are. Um, But our sins are particular acts that we perpetrate and we may have propensities towards that other people may not. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's interesting. uh, A lot of famous atheists love to poke at... Uh, original sin, I think uh, Penn Gillette of Penn & Teller uh, has a quote, something to the effect of uh, you Christians are all crazy you think that if it weren't for God we'd all be the worst mass murdering rapists uh, everywhere and y'all are sick Um, because he's like I don't want to do all of those things that you think everyone wants to do but I think that drills down to the uh, even among those unsaved through common grace, uh, God keeps us from uh, the extent of our uh, depravity, mm-hmm. uh, unless you think about Genesis 6 and Noah <laughs> and more and, and, yeah. and Anyway. Sure. Yeah. <clears throat> Would it be correct to say that sin is a condition and sins are the individual actions that result? from that condition.
0: I think that's the most straightforward way to put it.
1: I think that's good. It's one thing to say I'm sick. It's a different thing to say I have the flu or I have this or that or whatever Mm -hmm. particular illness, Mm -hmm. but I'm in the condition of being Mm -hmm. sick or sinful. Yeah. Yeah.
0: This is, this has been for a while an interview question at Redeemer Church for membership. Um, Are you a sinner? Because you sin, or do you sin because you're a sinner?
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, technically, um,
0: I, I dropped a hint in this morning's sermon. I
1: was going to say, I was gonna bring that up. You said that we'll forsake our Christ, we're no longer a sinner. That's yeah. no longer our identity. So, and I was kind of confused at that point. Okay, well, we still, but that doesn't keep us from yeah. sinning. Entirely. <laughs> well, now you're just talking about <clears throat> legally we're not a sinner. Correct.
0: Correct. We are no longer in God's eyes treated as sinners. Praise the Lord. He, we are righteous. We are forgiven. We are... Um, there is no condemnation for us. Because sin is no longer attached to our DNA, but and as 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 soon as I say that, in another sense, sin is still attached to our DNA, uh, right? Because as as we, as we looked at briefly in Romans six, and then again in Romans uh, mentioned in Romans seven, Paul said, "All right, but this wrestling continues until that last day." But before Christ, you absolutely sin because you're a sinner, like. The condition is you are a sinner. That's who you are before Christ. But when the Spirit enters your life, which is the guarantee for all who believe in Christ, when the Spirit enters your life, you are no longer, first and foremost, by definition, a sinner. You're not. You live by the Spirit. You are forgiven. You are washed clean. And so therefore, when you sin, it makes you a sinner again. Uh, and and so I don't want to flesh that comparison too far because then you can get into some some difficult places, but it is a helpful mental exercise to help us think, all right, I need to view myself not as somebody who is enslaved to sin anymore. I need to view myself as somebody who has been freed from that and can live in the spirit now. Uh, and so this original sin does not dominate your life anymore. It's still there and we're going to fight with it until our last breath, but it no longer has power over us. So that's that's some good news. That's a, I mean that is the gospel, right? That's the good news. Thoughts on that? Your hand was up.
1: Yeah, I was going to say uh, when you brought up of not being like legally not being sinners anymore, I was just going to point to also what you said this morning of not being under the rule of sin, which you ended up getting to that I I especially liked the way that you worded that this morning. That was really helpful of not or not being not being ruled by sin, but not but then thanking the Lord that we're ruled by Christ instead.
0: thanks for the compliment I'll say extra prayers for you
1: (laughs) I have a question and I just want to click yes or no is this where theologians get themselves all tied up with forensic uh, guilt and the other one that I can't remember
0: (laughs) I know what you're talking about but I don't know the language precisely enough to give you an answer So the answer is not yes or no, it's I don't know. Okay. Sorry.
1: I appreciate the (laughs) honesty.
0: Okay. Let's keep going. Um, All the outworkings of our corrupted nature, a corruption which remains in part even after regeneration, are truly and properly called sin. Okay, so this corrupted nature and everything that works out of it is called sin. Every sin, original and actual. So all the, the sin and, um, what's, what's the word? Um, the sin that was imputed to us from Adam. Um, goodness, I'm, I can't find that word. I'm so sorry. Uh, if you look down at footnote 34, it gives you the first five points of chapter six of the Westminster Confession. These are helpful. I was going to have you turn there in the hymnals, but I realized I already put it in the footnotes. Um, our first parents, being seduced by the subtlety and temptation of Satan, sinned in eating the forbidden fruit. This is, excuse me, this their sin, God was pleased, according to his wise and holy counsel, to permit, having purposed to order it to his own glory. So, did God allow Adam and Eve to sin? Yes. Why? For his glory. can i detail all those reasons for you no his ways are so much higher than ours and and we we think that the the clean cut way is the the most effective way to to plan this but god says no to his glory um and so we say well that's worth it whatever it takes to give him glory is worth it uh, point two, by this sin, they fell from their original righteousness and communion with God and so became dead in sin and wholly defiled in all the parts and faculties of soul and body. They, being the root of all mankind, the guilt of this sin was imputed and the same death and sin and corrupted nature conveyed to all their posterity descending from them by ordinary generation. Verse four, From this original corruption, whereby we are utterly indisposed, disabled, and made opposite to all good, and wholly inclined to all evil, do proceed all actual transgressions. Number five, this corruption of nature during this life doth remain in those that are regenerated, and although it be through Christ pardoned and mortified, yet both itself and all the motions thereof are truly and properly sin. And uh, point six of that chapter talks about the curse of death. Uh, through this this uh, original sin every every sin original and actual both the things that you inherited and the things that you have perpetuated yourself uh, they deserve death and they render us liable to the wrath of God all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God um, oh look they also the footnote is, is number 38 there you go for, for uh, paragraph 6 I didn't even realize that was there How do you feel about, and and, and I ask that kind of tongue-in-cheek, you know, like, how does this make you feel? It's rhetorical, of course, in in, in one sense. Um, It's humbling. Helps us realize that the only thing that we contribute to our salvation is the sin that made it necessary. That's a quote from Jonathan Edwards. The only thing you contribute to your salvation is the sin that makes it necessary. And so, right after footnote 39, it says, We must repent of our sin in general and our particular sins, particularly. That is, we ought to grieve for our sin, hate our sin, turn from our sin unto God, and endeavor to walk with God in obedience to His commandments. So no matter how you feel about your sin you should turn to God. Turn from that sin. You you should, and it gives us guidelines here for for a proper response. You should grieve over your sin. You should be saddened about the state of of what this, uh, the state of this world, the state of humankind. We should hate our sin. We shouldn't just be okay with it. And when the world says, follow your heart, You have to remind yourself what Jeremiah said. The heart is deceitful. Um, Exceedingly wicked. Thank you. I I can't remember. Yeah. Anybody want to finish that for me? Who can understand it is how it it finishes. That's original sin's effect on the heart. And so when the world tells you to follow your heart, you say, please don't make me. (laughs) Because I know where it goes and I know where it takes me. And so instead, we turn from our sin unto God and endeavor to walk with God in obedience to His commandments. Okay, thoughts on that repentance phrase? Okay, let's move on. Nevertheless, God does not wish for believers to live uh, in perpetual misery for their sins. There are certain circles of Christianity that have said, okay, you're a sinner. That stinks. You're just going to be that way. So there's not a whole lot of trying that's worthwhile. And we don't want to be that. <clears throat> not because we're going to say, "Let's go try our way into heaven," but because we're saying, "No, actually, we have been provided a way not to live in that sin." Um, I, I heard it said one time, and forgive me for not knowing the reference. And tell me if you know the reference. It's probably pretty, um, pretty well known. Um, but. For those who, punish, who, who are punished in hell for their sins will wish that they had sinned one less time in order to relieve some of the wrath for their sin. We feel the weight. Um, they will feel the weight of their sin. And there's no little deed that does not deserve that wrath of God. And all that does for us who are in Christ is drive us to say, Whoa! I deserve that. Praise the Lord that he has chosen to forgive me in Christ. And he doesn't want believers to live in perpetual misery for their sins because each one of our sins are pardoned and mortified in Christ. Uh, Romans 12, it's a famous, famous verse, Romans 12, 1 and 2 I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Paul's not sending them on a fool's errand here. He's saying you can do what is holy and acceptable to God. And it is in Christ, right? But also our own actions, like our actual transgressions, do not need to be as plentiful as they have been. We can actually uh, present our bodies as living sacrifices to grow in holiness, to be sanctified. And we don't have to live in that misery of our sin. There's a new... If, if this is like really resonating with where you are, as a Christian. There's a new book out. I was telling Deanna about this book. It's called Impossible Christianity. Uh, And and the subtitle of it is really encouraging. I don't have it in front of me, but it's uh, basically saying you don't have to live a life of Christian misery. We've been provided in the gospel uh, a means of growth and of of (coughs) optimism and of hope. Uh, And it's a book by Kevin DeYoung. So Impossible Christianity. Um, Each of our sins are pardoned and mortified in Christ. By the Spirit of Christ, we are able to make spiritual progress and to do good works, not perfectly, but truly. And even our imperfect works are made acceptable through Christ, and God is pleased to accept and reward them as pleasing in His sight. Wow. So He not only doesn't punish us for our sins, He takes our mixed-motive worship our mixed motive sacrifices of our lives and, and takes them as acceptable and pleasing because of what Christ did. Yes.
1: Six words that have been my favorite that I've heard in this sermon is "do do do, done done done."
0: Mm-hmm. That's right. Yep. Did you hear that from Jason? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, yeah, Jason. Like the the gospel is no longer. The gospel never has been do, do, do. The gospel is done, done, done. Jesus has done it. He has done it. He has done it. You don't have to do it, do it, do it to save yourself. But because of what Christ has done, 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 I'll go ahead and bring it down to one. We can now go do, right? Because of what Christ has done, done, done. Yeah. Okay. Any, any final thoughts here on original sin?
1: I was just thinking that because the adversary is always accusing us Mm -hmm. before God, but always in our mind, that that Paul opened Mm -hmm. almost all of his epistles with four words to the saints in Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because it's hard to look in the mirror Mm -hmm. and look at myself as a saint.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's really good.
1: Um, one of the things I've appreciated about the, our order of worship um, is the progression from confession to uh, con- confession of sin to confession of faith. Because uh, I feel like, especially in the last like twenty or so years, um, there were a lot of churches that tended to stop at like this things and just wallow in sin after God ever loved me and never stepped through into that but he has sort of the done 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 mm-hmm. um and just getting that whole journey every week in a sermon or through the course of the service I think is just helpful for building perspective and uh taking sin seriously but being able to move forward and not stay in that place
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, I, I'm really glad you said that. I think that's that's the intent. I don't know if y'all have noticed, but the, the margin comments in the bulletin changed a couple months ago, a month and a half, two months ago. And, and the plan is for them to change every, I don't know, probably two or three times a year. Um, but it now says at the beginning, our, our order of worship is supposed to tell the gospel. So as we walk through it every week, um, it's supposed to remind you of the gospel, of God's call on his people. And our reckoning with our sin, placing it upon Jesus, finding forgiveness, rising from that to confess what we believe, to grow in what we believe, to to act and to give and to sing, uh, to praise, to read his word, to hear his word, to receive the gospel, to commune with Christ, and to go blessed. I mean, in a very short... um, uneloquent way. That is that's kind of what our, our order of service is. And and I'm glad that you pointed that out, Stephen, because we don't just stop there. And and I think we must get there. But it is lazy for us to stop there. And um and so I wanna make sure that we're not a church that says, Well all you need is uh, Jesus and we're not gonna talk about anything else. Um I think it's of course, like that is that is the foundation of our faith and I wouldn't deny that for a moment and we are absolutely same team with, uh, with other churches that stop there but um, at, at the most foundational level we are but also they're missing so much of this growth that Christ, that God has given to us and provided for us in the gospel yes
1: it's actually pretty scary because they're leading an awful lot of people to hell how so? <clears throat> no, not preaching the gospel. Oh yeah, if they're yeah, if they're not, you're absolutely right. <clears throat> right. Yeah.
0: Um, one of the elders at Redeemer calls that um, getting the the Christian vaccine. Mm-hmm. It's like you got just enough of it that you don't get the real thing, uh, and it keeps you kind of immune from hearing the full gospel because you're like, oh, I've, I'm good enough. Like I've, I've, I'm enough in it. I have heard it enough. I don't need. I don't need all of it. Um, and I, I've heard people who have been accused of being just a little bit too serious about their, their Christianity. Like, oh man, there's no such thing. Um, can, of course, can it take the wrong, can it be lived out the wrong way? Of course, where it looks too much like whatever, yeah. Um, okay. Other thoughts on this? This should lead us to praise the Lord. For forgiveness. I mean, we all even, and, and I suppose the application is right now, it's going to get into it a little bit in the next uh, statement four, and uh, we'll try to do the statement four quickly. But um, really it's, we need to look at our sexuality and the way that we view ourselves as sexual beings and realize, okay, where uh, do we need to be separating the sinful, sinful influence, not just of the world around us, but also that original sin, That has been a part of us since we were conceived. Um, What what of our view of sexuality is sinful and what of our view uh, needs to remain in its biblical and godly? So, statement four, desire. Oh, no, we don't have time. Okay. Um, We will do statement four next time. Some of you are like, oh boy, (laughs) here we go. We're only halfway through. Uh, No, we'll we'll save that for next time. Um, But I think I'll go ahead and preface this for you. that first, uh, let's just read that first line because this, and then I, I promise I'll stop there. Um, we affirm not only that our inclination towards sin is a result of the fall, but that our fallen desires are in themselves sinful. Some people say, oh, it's okay if you want that. Just don't act on that. Like, no, no, no. We need to be out uprooting those sinful longings too. We should never long for what is wrong. All right. So praise the Lord that we don't act on it, but let's also pray that we might not want it anymore too. Yeah.
1: I was just thinking, cause that way of going like, "Oh, it's okay as long as you don't act on it. it" gets so confusing, and it's only going to get like I feel like especially young people like in the coming years, like it's like that kind of teaching is only going to confuse people more and more yep. than you. Yep. You know, end up sitting on a sin for decades before you realize that. Christ Himself was very
0: clear about how it's your thought, it's not just your actions, it's your thought life. That's right. That's so important. That's that's so true. And He was super clear about that. Sermon on the Mount.
1: Printed a whole sermon about it.
0: (laughs) That's right. You're absolutely right, and I promise I wasn't going to go any farther, so let's let's stop there. (laughs) Yo, absolutely right. I I have a feeling next week's going to be really exciting. Um, and also, very. Uh, this was revolutionary for me when I learned it, uh, and frankly, it wasn't that long ago. So I, I praise the Lord um, that He continues to grow us and teach us. And I hope that this is a helpful study for you. Um, I know we're not constantly, we're not exegeting Scripture in this study. Uh, we're not uh, digging into specific passages, and, and or nor are we constructing a full biblical theology, but. Um, I hope that you see that these have been put together by men who are trying to do so in a helpful way and in a biblical way. And this is rooted in Scripture, and this is rooted in the best interest of uh, the members of the body of Christ, Uh, not in a desire to be uh, heavy-handed or to create some new tradition of man. That is not the intent here. And if ever it does get that way, um, as I prayed, let us be those who examine the Scriptures to see if what is said is true. So. Uh, with that said, let me pray, and we will sing our final song. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that you have fixed our sin problem and paid for our sins. We praise you that Jesus Christ's sacrifice was that powerful. We praise you that there is not an ounce of wickedness in our lives that is not washed clean by the blood of Jesus for those who trust in him. What a beautiful hope. What a relief. Would you help us to see ourselves and each other as you see us? Would you help us to live in the strength that you have given us by your spirit and those tools you have given us through your word and the sacraments and our prayers and joining together as a church? And we pray that we would with great patience for one another, endure one another, and love one another, and encourage one another, and remind each other of Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.